Well, it's a real joy to have Prophet Andre Bronkost minister uh, the word of the Lord this morning. And so, Father, we thank you that you will flow through him. I thank you that there's no pressure, but he just ministers in line with what you've called him to say and who you've called him to be. I thank you, God, that you are raising him up at this hour. I see God extending your authority. You'll begin to notice in these next three years that there will be greater authority when you minister. There is already great authority, but I see an increasing of authority. I see that God will also create connections with some new people that he's bringing into your influence uh, in Europe, I believe, especially in Europe for some reason. And Lord, we receive him as a prophet. Thank you that he is a New Testament prophet, grounded in the word of God, loving to minister and exhort the people of God. And we thank you for the activation and the stirring which will take place right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give a warm hand of welcome? Amen. It's a tremendous blessing for us to be here this morning and also to be back in South Africa. We arrived on Wednesday. And uh, it is evident that South Africa is covered in a blanket of prayer. And so as we arrived, we could sense just how this nation has been praying. And so I really believe that God, God's hand is on our nation, South Africa. So it's good for us to be back. Uh, we have to adapt to, to the speed limit. It seems everyone is driving very fast here in South Africa. It seems like we're in a race. And uh, I've also noticed that... Um, the traffic uh, signs are not laws, but suggestions. So we, we uh, will <laughs> adapt to it. Um, so it's very uh, interesting. You know, in America, the, the biggest crime that you can commit is to drive over a pedestrian. And so when a pedestrian comes close to the road, everything comes to a standstill completely. It's a bit different here. It seems like a chicken run situation. <laughs> the fittest survive. So, uh, but we're happy to be back. Um, God has opened the world to us. Seven years ago, the Lord said to me um, one morning, he said, can I send you? And I said, yes, Lord, I'll go. It was an incredible moment. I was at a conference of 5,000 people. I was standing on one side and uh, there was a, a pastor from New York standing on the other side and they had a very bad experience in their church with the prophetic. And through that, they decided that never again will they allow the prophetic back into their church. And so we're on the same conference and the Lord said to me, will you go? And I said, yes, I'll go. And uh, at that moment in the worship, he cries out to God. He says, Lord, it is time for us to bring the prophetic back to our church. And so he says, Lord, I ask that you would send me someone. He says, but I don't want a young man. I want someone that's old and mature and that can come and, uh, and uh, awaken the prophetic in our church. And in the worship, he looks at me, and that's when the Lord spoke to me, and the Lord said to him, that is, that is the person. And so he walked over to me in the worship. He said, will you come to America, to New York? I said to him, yes, I'll come. He said, don't you need to pray about it? I said, no, I just, Lord, just said, uh, would I go? And so a journey started the last seven years. It's been a tremendous journey. Uh, what we've seen globally, uh, what is happening, but we will always be rooted in South Africa. And so we are being sent and we're traveling, but South Africa will always be close to our hearts. Um, the Lord is busy in our nation. We are going through a, a cleansing process right now where God is uh, cleansing the fivefold and he's cleansing his sons and daughters. And he's not going to allow the church to be manipulated anymore. His sons and daughters have been, been manipulated. God's putting a complete end to that. And so we are really 
entering the new. I know for many years we said, the prophet said that it's a new season, it's a new season. But I'm here to say to you, it's a new season. It's really a new season. We are about to enter the new in South Africa. Now, to be honest with you, I would rather be an amateur in the new than an expert in the old. And so I want to be ready for what God wants to do in our nation. And I want to say to you, it's going to be different from what we understand. You know, we, we say, Lord, come and do a new thing, but here's the rules and regulations. You have to fit into this. And God is going to come and shake our boxes. He's going to come and shake cities. He's, he's going to come and overturn things. And, but we will see one of the greatest moves of God in our nations of Africa. Amen. I'm going to ask my wife to quickly come and greet you. And I'm prophesying now that she's going to only speak one minute. And... Uh, <clears throat> Uh, I, uh, I believe that when God calls you, He calls a family. And so one thing that I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I'll go, but I ask of you that my family will be able to travel with me. And so I've taken them all over the world. Um, my seven-year-old has, has literally grown up on a plane. One of his first flights was um, uh, as a six-month-old baby. And uh, he's been growing up on the plane for the last seven years. And uh, they've been all over. They've been through so many nations uh, with us. We do spend a certain time of the year in Europe, America, but various nations all over the world. But it's a blessing to have my family with me. Now, my wife's a doctor or dentist in South Africa. She does Botox and fillers. So those of you that, that, that is what she does, this is all natural, by the way. This is, this is and, um, but uh, as we travel, she sacrifices that and puts it aside to be with us uh, um, globally. And so where she goes, she cannot work in those nations and places. And uh, it's, uh, she's called to be a businesswoman, but at the same time, She's part of ministry. So she ministers also prophetically with me. Um, she is very accurate. I try not to give her too much airtime. I don't want people to think that she's more accurate than I am. So, but um, she does with me. She had a phenomenal word last night for, for one of the people there. Just the wording was incredible. But uh, she's with me. And so um, just greet the people, please, with 30 seconds left. Oh. <laughs> what an honor. You know, if he said that, if God calls the husband, he calls the family, it's really like that. But then he also needs to give me the faith because he walks on water and I'm running afterwards, you know, just, just following him and it's such an honor. Um, I just wanna just, just release something prophetically that I sensed for this season. And um, Andre, a, a few, like a month or two ago, he mentioned this thing, he said there's a tipping point in the spirit. And I really sense that, that there's a tipping point for us to press in and press through. And, um, and with that, you know, um, the best way to describe that tipping point for us is, you know, if you drive in the car and you're going to a tra through, you know, um, on, a, on a road and there's a traffic light, and now you have the option, it's green, and then it goes to orange before it goes to red. And you have an option when you have the speed, okay, to either brake or to put your feet on the petrol when it goes to orange. So you have a choice and it's like that orange light is flickering and we need to get the momentum because if you're gonna break right now, you're gonna cause a crash. So it's just to gain that momentum in the season that we are at. So that's really what I sense for this season right now is to gain that momentum, you know, and when you're at that tipping point, you get to a point of no return where you enter into the new and, and it's nothing like the old. And it's, it shouldn't, you know, you prepared for 
for such a time as this. And you are ready for all your life. You've prepared for this. And it's just to gain that momentum and have that faith. Amen. Thank you. I uh, want to honor Pastor John and Meandri. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. This is really a great honor for us. And so we thank you for that and uh, allowing us to be here this morning. I know that, uh, uh, you know, when it comes to pulpits, that uh, uh, pastors are responsible to God for who they allow on their pulpits. And so thank you for the honor to be here today. We take it uh, highly. And to honor Prophet Ed Trout as well, has been a tremendous mentor, uh, a father in every way to me and Zane, also our children. It's been a tremendous blessing to us the last seven years. And uh, we, are, we have uh, become part of Prophetic Life um, seven years ago, and we are part of it. I'm on the board of Prophetic Life, and so we've got a whole future to, together as a team. Um, those of you that have seen Prophet Ed here in the last couple of months, God is doing something remarkable in his life as well. And so I'm excited to see where God is taking him and what he's doing. He's imparting into people's lives like never before. The, the, the weightiness that he has and that he's the positive thing is remarkable. So I honor him for this this morning. He's sleeping, and so I just woke him up and I said to him, I'm here. So <laughs> uh, he's uh, it's been such a blessing. But uh, I hear the Lord saying, uh, Pastor John, you know, when you are in battle, it doesn't matter how big the person's gun is next to you, but the size of the heart. And so I want to thank you for having a heart for the city, but also for the nation of South Africa, and not to give up on our nation. Now, when God spoke in Luke uh, chapter 10, when he said, he said, let us pray for the workers, it was in a time where Jesus had a lot of people that was following, and there was large crowds that was following him, and he was not concerned about, you know, the, the, how many souls would be, would be one, he was concerned about all these souls that don't have a shepherd. And he said, let us pray for the harvesters, and he was referring to shepherds, that who would shepherd them, who would take care of them, you know, where would they go, who would be there. And so I thank God for raising up pastors globally and also in South Africa that truly have a heart for the kingdom of God, that are not building their own agenda, their own kingdom, but that are, that are building for God. And so I'm honored to be here and to be next to a couple that are busy building the kingdom of God, that have been so faithful and loyal. So let's give them a hand this morning, please. <clears throat> to share a declaration over you this morning before we get into the word. God spoke to me two years ago. I said, Lord, I'm tired of all this um, limitations that we have in traveling globally because part of our life is traveling. And uh, the Lord said to me, then do something about it. I said, Lord, what? And he said, speak a word, speak over the storm. And so I, I, I want to release a declaration of everyone that's here this morning. And I want you just to receive that and open up your heart. And so, Father, this morning I declare that it will be safe to remove our masks globally. I declare COVID and every variant will cease to exist. I declare the works of the enemy will be exposed. I declare churches will open 100%. I declare businesses will open 100%. I declare borders will open 100%. I declare we will enter the new season God has called us for. The church will flourish. Businesses will flourish. The kingdom and its people will live in health and in abundance in Jesus' name. Amen. You can turn with me to the book of John, chapter 4, verse 6 to 7. And uh, seven years ago, as I mentioned, the Lord called me to the prophetic office and I started to study the word and to try to find out uh, what is Jesus' 
um, way of ministry and, and uh, what way did he follow? And I looked at him closely and I could see there was a distinctive difference between Old Testament prophets and New Testament prophets. From Jesus, it, it's changed completely. And the Old Testament prophets were the voice of God and they played a tremendous role. Every nation had sorcerers, magicians, but Israel had prophets. And so God sent them prophets and they were the voice of God to people. Now, uh, kings never went into war in the Old Testament if the prophets did not release a word that they were going to win. And so if the prophets said that you're not gonna win this battle, they didn't even bother to go and fight. And so it was, a, it was evident that God used prophets strategically in the Old Testament to be his voice on the earth. But then we live in a time now where the Holy Spirit is released. And now we do not have mediators anymore. The only mediator is the Holy Spirit. Prophetically, I've noticed that um, as I started to, to prophesy, when God called me to the office, the gift was activated. And so now I can prophesy 27, any place, anyone. I've got, a, I've got a gift that God has given me. But I've noticed that if I prophesy to a person, I can prophesy to them today, again in a, in a couple of months, and again then one day, I look at them and I can't see anything. I can't pick up anything. And I can go and pray and fast and just, just nothing. And I've realized that God is not going to allow another mediator. So as soon as people become dependent on a prophet, then God stops the flow. And what the Lord is doing is saying that if you want to hear more, you have to come to him. And so it's not a negative thing. You'll see someone in the church, they get prophetic words often the whole time. The same person, you can have a guest speaker, they always speak the same person. And then one day just stops. And people think, well, what's wrong? Why is it happening? It's a good place to be because it's an invitation from God to come to him. If you, would done, if you would spend the time with the Lord and he would speak to you directly. And so the purpose of the New Testament prophet is not to become a mediator. It's not, it's not so that people can, can become dependent on them. It can become, you know, in the New Testament, one of the most dangerous things in the prophetic is to become accurate. Because if you become accurate, then certainly, suddenly there's a demand on you and there's expectation on you that, that people should put on God, not on you. And so I've had it often in my life where I would prophesy something so accurate and people think you know everything. And then, and then it's, I don't want to be in that position. So you follow God, you seek Him, you listen to the Holy Spirit. You don't allow an individual to become your rock. Jesus is your rock, not a person. And so as soon as we, as we do that, then we, then we start to repeat the pattern of the Old Testament where we create another mediator. Therefore, there's no, now there's no mediator anymore. We have the Holy Spirit and he's come to stay. And so all of us here can hear the voice of God through the Holy Spirit, everyone in this room. And so this, this morning I'm here to activate and to, to, to stir that. I don't want you to look at me and say, if I can just get a word from him. I want you to sit here and say, I want to hear God. Lord, speak to me the way that you speak to him. I want that. And so it's been a journey for me. At the age of 16, I heard the voice of God and I immediately knew that I would never be able to live without it again. So I've, I've really pursued God and I've done everything that I can. His, his, his voice is like water to me. I live of his voice. I can't function without the voice of God in my life. But when God can speak to you, he can speak through you. And so I do not seek God so that I can get words for other people. I seek God to hear what he says about me in my life. And then out of that, the flow comes where God starts to reveal things about other people's lives. But my focus is my relationship with him is not to be a voice on the earth for people. Uh, he is that voice and the Holy Spirit leads you to him, amen? Okay, 
John chapter 4, verse 6 to 7. I want you to carefully look at the method, the way that Jesus functions. It says, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon when a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? I want you to carefully look at the method that Jesus is using. And something that I pick up immediately is I pick up that Jesus is relational. He doesn't come to this woman and say, hi, my name is Prophet Jesus, and I'm about to give you a prophetic word right now that's gonna change your life, and uh, so get ready, prepare for the word. No, he's relational. He doesn't even mention the word prophet. He just starts a conversation with her, and he says, uh, would you give me a drink? And then the conversation escalates, and out of that, he starts to minister to her. And it continues until verse uh, uh, 19, John 4 verse 19. At the end of this passage, the woman says, she says, sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. And so ministry is not appointed but recognized. She sees the gift in his life. She sees what he, what he carries. But I look at his method, his way of ministry, and I pick up that he is relational. He is building a relationship with her, not just because he wants to minister to her and, and continue on his journey. He really cares about her life. He really cares about what she's going through. And he's, he's, he's giving her the attention and the time to sit and to listen and to work with her through what is happening. And so there's a, this scripture has so much weightiness in it because he speaks to her about the living water and then she says, okay, I want this water. And then he says, go and call your husband. And so suddenly it seems like he's completely off track because he's introducing her into this water that she will never thirst again. And then he says, go call your husband. It changes the topic. But I realize that this woman has something in her life that's obstructing the flow of the Holy Spirit in her life. And before he can release it, he has to deal with that. And so he says, so go call your, your husband. And so often in our lives, you know, she says, uh, I have no husband. And she says, yes, the five that you had is not your husband. And the number six that you're with now is also not. And so suddenly she gets introduced into perfect, perfection, husband number seven. She's, Jesus would be the seventh person male in her life. And seven speaks of perfection. And he's saying that you've put all your security, all your faith in that person, individual. And for you to receive the abundance of the Holy Spirit in your life, you have to receive me. I have to be everything to you. And so then the obstruction is removed and the flow of the Holy Spirit is there. God is dealing with obstructions in this season in the church. There's a flow of the Holy Spirit that's coming, but the Holy Spirit's been limited, he's been quenched, he's been rejected globally. And for us to receive the fullness of what God wants to do, he has to deal with obstructions. And there's multiple levels of obstructions that can be there, relationship, finances, things. The rich young ruler comes, he says, what can I do? And he says, Jesus says, go follow the commandments. He says, I've done all of that. He says, one last thing, go and sell everything that you have. The reason is not because Jesus is against the wealth, but because the rich young ruler has put his identity in his possessions. It has become his security. Now, as a son and a daughter of God, we don't own anything, but we are stewards of everything. And so, <laughs> if you don't own anything, you can't lose anything. As the enemy can try to come and attack and steal, kill, and destroy from us. But the truth is, if he steals from me, he steals from God. Because it's not mine in any way. I've surrendered it back to him. But we can so easily put our trust in natural things and build our security in that. And then Jesus comes and he deals with obstruction. He says, we have to get rid of this 
five husbands first before I can release on you what I have for you. Amen? So a couple of years ago, I, three years ago, I went to Houston for a conference, and uh, it's been tremendous planning to get everything set up, uh, multiple churches a month uh, tour through Houston, and uh, we set up venues and churches, and everything was set in, in order, and then it started to rain in Houston. It just continued to pour and pour, and uh, the, uh, the airport, they sent me photos of the airport in Houston where planes were flooded, were underwater in Houston, at Houston Airport. So I received a message from some of the churches there that said, listen, we might have to cancel because you won't be able to come in. And the airline uh, sent us uh, emails out and they said that uh, Houston will be closed for 24 hours, so we uh, want you to know that there's gonna be eruptions and travels and delays and that. And so I boarded the plane in Johannesburg and I flew to Dubai, but the airline would not change my ticket because the airport would only be shut for 24 hours. And so they wanted me to buy an entire new ticket if I wanted to make the change because uh, it was shut for 24 hours and I would arrive the next day uh, in that time period. And so I arrived in Dubai and uh, people are running all over the place. There's lines and people are changing their flights. There's delays and we've got all, everything that's planning. And I have a four hour layover there. And in that moment, I cried out to God. I said, Lord, I really need direction from you now. I don't want to be out of your will. My intention is to follow your will, but I need to know, do I change my flight? Do I go back home? Do we cancel? Do we move forward? What do you want me to do? And in that moment, as I cried out to the Lord, God answered me very clearly, and he said, Andre, I want you to know that I love you. I said, God, I don't have time for this now. I am asking you a very simple question. Left or right? Do I change my flight to Dallas? Do I stay on the Houston flight? Just tell me what to do. I, d I don't know what to do in this, in this moment. And the more that I tried to get direction from the Lord, the more he would speak to me about everything else. The Lord spoke to me the second time. He said, um, I said, Lord, please, uh, just tell me. Uh, just left or right? And uh, I'm in this moment. I mean, it seems like God is on a different planet. So I had to remind him, Lord, we have a time that, you know, the plane is not gonna wait for you, Lord. I, I need to tell them whether I'm gonna get on the plane or not. And the Lord just didn't speak to me at all about that scenario. And he said to me, uh, secondly, he said, Andre, he said, thank you for what you are doing globally for my kingdom. So I realized, and I picked it up from John, that God is relational. He's not directional. We as humans are directional. We don't really care that much about relationships. Now, when you get saved, you can become relational. But our instinct is to be directional. You pursue people because of directions. You can, uh, I, I like German cars. I can have a neighbor for 10 years. I don't ever greet him. I don't spend time with him. But then one day I hear that he's the dealer principal of a German car company. Tomorrow I'm gonna go and visit him. Because there's something in that relationship that would benefit me. That's humans. God is not that way. God doesn't pursue us because of what he can get out of us. He pursues us because he really believes in the destiny and purpose in our lives. And so in that moment, I realized that I'm not gonna get answers from God. And so I went into a lounge, I sat down, and as I sat there, I, I forgot about everything. I just started to fellowship with the Lord. And about 10 minutes sitting there, just experiencing the presence of God, the Lord spoke to me. He said, he said get up, go over to the counter, I walked over, he said, change your flight to Dallas. By then the line was, was, was gone and I, I changed it very easily 
and then I got onto that flight to Dallas. It's a 14-hour flight from Dubai. Mid-flight, seven hours into that flight, they announced on the intercom on the plane, they announced that Houston will be shut for an additional 24 hours. And so it, uh, Lord saved me from <laughs> a lot of things that wouldn't work out very well. And so I could fly into Dallas, rent a vehicle, and then I drove into Houston. I could get to the churches where I needed to be. But the direction came out of relationship. We are in a place right now, the world, not just South Africa, the whole world is, is in some form of crisis globally. We're in a time where everyone wants answers. We want a God that would be a judge, where we can stand in a line and just hear yes or no. Okay, next, no. Next, that's what we want. But this God wants relationship with us. And he's paid a very expensive price to send his son to be able to reconcile us back to him. And so to us, it is important about what will happen with my ministry, with my business, with my relationships. But in this, God wants to spend time with you, not because of what he can get out of you, but because he truly cares and loves you. And so I've noticed that he is relational. And I want to encourage you in this time that all the answers that you want, you're going to get it out of relationship with him. But many people pursue God only during crises. As soon as the crisis is over, then, then suddenly they continue, they go back to their old lives. This is a time where we have to walk as close to God as possible. We have to have our, our ears rested on the heart of God in the season. There's a lot of voices right now globally. There's a lot of things that we're hearing, but we have to hear from him. What does he say? What do I have to do in this moment and this time of my life? And I want to encourage you, no matter how big the crisis and challenge, and I've got sympathy with you, there's people that are really, they've, they've lost a lot, they've lost their livelihoods in this season, but I want to encourage you to seek God in this moment, not just to get answers, but to fellowship with Him. And out of that fellowship, God is gonna to start to give you the answers that you need in this season of your life, amen? Let's pray together. Father, I pray over every person that's in this room right now. Father, we need direction, we need guidance, we need answers, we want to know what do we need to do. But Father, above that this morning, I want to put that aside. And I want to say to you, Lord, we desire you more than anything else. Father, I want to make a, a proclamation today and I want to say, Father, you are enough. You are enough. Holy Spirit, we celebrate you here and we thank you, Father, that you've sent your spirit to be with us and to guide us in this season of our lives, Lord. But I pray, Father, that we would not miss your face in this season, Lord. Father, that we would hear your voice and that we would walk with you closer than ever before. Father, I pray for your voice right now in every person's life in this room. People that are asking for direction, that are asking for guidance, Lord, that you would speak to them clearly in this season of their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. If we, a few years ago, one morning I woke up and the Lord spoke to me. He said, Andre, he said, if people will start to seek me, they, the way they seek people, you would have a revival. And when there's a person that we seek, a man or woman of God, we would pay anything or do anything to be with them or close to them, we would drive, we would fly, we would, whatever sacrifice we have to pay, we would do that. If we would have that same, if we would be so relentless with God and start to pursue Him and His presence, we would have a revival in our nation. If people would make God the focal point of everything in their lives, and not just the individual, we would see God move in this nation. I do anticipate that God is about to do something very fresh 
in this season in our nation, South Africa.